Grace and mercy and peace to you this morning, from God our Father in heaven and from Jesus our Savior, who speaks to us this morning in the Beatitudes. The way I'll often end one of my emails, and maybe you've gotten one of these from me, is to say at the end, blessings on your day or blessings on your week, something like that, blessings on, on you. And I, I think I've wondered to myself, what do I mean when I write that? And how does that come across to you? If someone says, you know, blessings today, what is... What does that mean? I, I think the danger is it can come across just kind of like a religious way of saying, have a great day, smiley face, smiley face at the end. Uh, I don't know how much, what, what kind of weight does that carry blessings to you today? Uh, if you open up your Bible and read through, you'd see that Old Testament and New, this idea of being blessed is a theme throughout. There's a Hebrew word for it. There's a Greek word for it. We actually saw it in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So it's in the Old Testament, and we see it here today in the New Testament too. And the thing that's key to it is that this is part of our relationship with God. You see, there are plenty of people in this world who see their life as just this string of good and bad coincidences. Oh, that happened and that was bad, or oh, that happened and that was good. They think that maybe it's just luck or fate, or I think for many Americans, it's the choices I made brought about this good or bad thing into my life. But we as Christians don't look at the world that way. This world is not random. It's not a matter of what I do for myself. The more important thing is God is the one who's there, and he's the one looking over everything in my life. If there's anything in my life that is good, it comes from comes from him. Apostle James writes that way. He wrote, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. And so that word, being blessed, is not just having a great day or having things go your way. It's much deeper than that. Even, how do you translate in the Bible? There's some English translations that'll translate as the word happy. And that's partly it, right? Because Happiness goes together with being blessed, but those aren't exactly the same thing. In the same way, being prosperous, being successful in life, that, that's related to being blessed, but that's, that's it's not exactly the same thing either. If I'd have to define blessed, it, it, I would say it is living, living underneath God's blessing and in a relationship with Him. Uh, knowing Him and then living that out in your life. And isn't that the goal for everybody here in this room? I, I hope so. Uh, that I, I want to live a life that is blessed of God's blessing. So this morning, Jesus talks to us about what that looks like, and like Pastor Tommy has said, flips everything upside down, inside out. So if you're not there already, turn to page 8. Let's look at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. The setting here is that this is earlier, early on in Jesus' ministry. He goes up on a mountain. Don't think like snow-capped Rocky Mountains. Think some large rocky outcropping up by the Sea of Galilee. And from up there, he's able to speak down to this crowd, and they're all able to hear them. The other thing in the intro is that it says these are Jesus' disciples. And so don't expect in the weeks coming up to have it be a message of, here's the message of salvation, how sins are forgiven. Uh, we know that's through faith in the one who's speaking, right? He suffered and died for us. He rose again. We have forgiveness in life through him. But the setting of this is, these are people where they, they know the plan of salvation. They're part of God's family. They're Jesus' disciples. So the Sermon on the Mount is more Jesus speaking about what that looks like now as we live our lives as his people. And the first section today is, 
the, called the Beatitudes about being blessed. Now, if you look down the page, if you'd count them up, I suppose you could count up either eight or nine, depending on if that last paragraph is included or not. Uh, it's a little different because all the other ones are very short and they have two parts. That last one is longer and seems to expand more on the last one. So today I'm going to count it as eight. You could count nine if you count that last paragraph too. Uh, and I know my, my pattern often is have, have you shout things out. And I thought, yeah, you could just shout out one at a time if you go through them. Uh, but I know some of you don't like that. And it might be easier just to go top to bottom. So how about if we go top to bottom? Uh, and we could spend easily a whole hour just talking about these Beatitudes one at a time. So we don't, can't get into all of them really in depth, but let's briefly go over each one. And here's what I want you to look for. So for each one that Jesus says... Look for the two parts. So the first part is blessed, blessed are, so who is it that's blessed? And then the second part is the reason why. It starts with the word for. So blessed is the first part, for is the second part. The other thing to look for is how does this flip backwards how most people would consider what blessed means. So if I'd say to a random person on the street, have, be, be blessed today, have blessing, they're going to assume something that might be very different than what Jesus says it actually is here. So let's start at the top. We've got eight Beatitudes, eight ways Jesus says God's people are blessed. First one, blessed are the, the poor. And how about that one? Who in the world wants to be poor? Who, if you'd say, what does being blessed look like, would say, I think I'll be poor, and that's what I, no. Uh, lacking and not having, knowing that there's something else you're missing that you want. Nobody defines being blessed that way. People would define being blessed as having everything, not missing anything. Jesus adds the word being poor, not just in physical things, but spiritually being poor. Recognizing that before God, you have, have nothing. Uh, Martin Luther, when he died, he had a scrap of paper with a handwritten note in his pocket. It says, we are beggars was the last thing. Why he had that in his pocket, I don't know if anyone knows why. But that's true, right? That before God, we need so much. And Jesus says to stand as someone poor in spirit before God is to be blessed. And the reason why, look at the second part, it's for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think you might be poor, but you are rich in Christ Jesus through faith in Him. You've got the kingdom of God is yours. That's God's promise. You, you're blessed. Second one. Blessed are those who mourn. Who wants that? How many of you would say, my idea for a great day tomorrow is I'm going to cry. Because life is going to be really hard and there's going to be something horrible that just causes me to break down and mourn. And not just things in this world. There are a lot of people who don't want to hear the message of God's law that points out how sinful we are because who wants to mourn about sin? That's no fun at all. People think that being blessed would be being happy all the time. And yet Jesus says we're blessed as we mourn. Why? Look at the second part. It's for they will be comforted. And so the promise to you this morning is I don't know how many of you are grieving deeply over something? The, the people I've talked to when I counsel them on the grieving, often their reaction is, I want to get through this as fast as I can. 
find it repulsive and want to move on back to happiness. How, how soon can I be done with the morning? God doesn't promise it'll be right away, but the promise is He will, he will be the one who comforts you and so that even in your mourning you are, you are blessed. Third one. Blessed are the, are the meek. The word means not pushing yourself ahead at the expense of others. It means that if there's going to be a collision between you and someone else, you are willing to yield and let someone else have their way. Not because you're weaker and they're walking all over you, but because you're willing to let them have their way because you love them more than you care about yourself. Again, who in the world wants that? I think most people's definition of being blessed would be being able to get your way in everything and have people do what you want. Who wants to live a life of meekness? And yet Jesus says you are blessed, and the reason why is they will inherit the earth. Which seems backwards, right? People think that if you push yourself ahead, that's the way of grasping the world and having more of it. Jesus says that as you are meek and serve others, he promises he will give you the world. That is the inheritance that is ours through faith in Jesus. Next one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In a way, like the first one. Who would pick to be hungry today and thirsty? I think most people's idea of blessed is having everything that you want so that there's nothing else you have an appetite for. And that's not just food and drink, and there are other physical appetites too, but an appetite for righteousness and for God. You've probably seen the stats where religion is declining in America. Everyone's talking about that. And the thing that concerns me the most is more and more people, and even people who say they're Christians, who have lost their appetite for God, who say, I don't need God. I don't care either way. Who would say, even about going to church, why do I need the word of God? It doesn't really matter. I can get by. Just people who are not hungry or thirsty for God. Jesus says that when there is a hunger inside of you, something you know needs to be fed, that is good. And the promise is for they will be filled. That's not something that you can take away. You can't fill the hunger yourself. It's God needs to fill you with himself and his, with his word. So Psalm 1 said, the person who meditates on the word of God is blessed. Next one, number five. Actually, number six. Blessed, no, five. Blessed are the, the merciful. Again, flips it backwards. I think most people would say, I don't want to let go until somebody else has made that right. I think most people's idea of blessed would be that nobody has wronged you at all. And Jesus says, actually, in the sinful world, people are going to wrong you, and it might be pretty deep. And rather than nursing a grudge or holding that against somebody, it's a blessing to let go and be merciful. Yeah, the, the world will say, yeah, if you do that, you're going to get trampled on and people will take advantage of you. But Jesus says that when you are merciful, you are blessed. Reason why, what's the second part? For they will be shown, shown mercy. That already Jesus Christ died for your sins. 
And if you're going to weigh them on a scale, which mercy is greater, the mercy you show to others or the mercy God has already shown to you, by far it is the mercy of God to you. You haven't made up or made right the things that you've done wrong, and yet God in his grace and mercy in Christ Jesus washes them all away. So when you stand before God someday, you are people who have been shown mercy. And so Jesus says to you, blessed are you when you live in mercy to the people around you in this world. Next one. Blessed are the, the pure in heart. And again, there are plenty of people that say, ah, oh, that sounds backwards too. How blessed is it to hold back and not to give in to temptation? Won't you be missing out on something that's fun? Won't you miss out on something that feels good, that satisfies the craving? That That's what every temptation is. Promising you everything if you give in. Jesus says you are blessed when you, when you remain with a pure heart. The reason why, second part is, for they will see God. Already he's with you. Right now he is with us. He always is with us. And yet the promise is there is a day coming when you will see God face to face in glory. And you know some people, they imagine all the earthly things up in heaven, being with people they love, stuff like that. But I think you can make a pretty good case that the very best thing about heaven will be seeing God face to face and being with him there. And so Jesus says, is it a blessing to strive for a pure heart and to live for God here in this world? The answer is, yeah. Look at the glory of God. You will see God face to face one day. You are, you are blessed. Next one. Blessed are the, the peacemakers. And again, who... Whose idea of a blessed day is being the one to get in the middle of a conflict and try to figure it out? This world is a mess. And the fact is, if you and I step in the middle and try to make peace, it might bring a lot of stress and conflict into your own life. There is no guarantee that you stepping in will be able to solve all the issues in this world. And yet Jesus says it is a blessing when God's people step in as peacemakers. Why? Because they will be called the sons of God. You already have this new name that we talked last week about baptism. In your baptism, God adopted you into his family. And so along with the name you have and the job description you have, all the other titles in life, this one is yours through Jesus. You are God's child. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. You have everything because you are part of his family and Jesus says you are blessed now when you live that out in a life of peace and being a peacemaker last one and if anyone would say that's the opposite of being blessed it's probably this one last one is blessed are those who are persecuted if I say blessings on your day and that meant being persecuted uh, maybe you'd say, leave that off the email, right? Uh, how many people would say that the verbal, the verbal abuse, the people making fun of you, the, not just that, being left out, I don't know how much you felt it. I wonder if in our society there's going to be more of this. I think there'll be Christians who lose their jobs or get deported because of what they believe. Uh, I hope it doesn't come to the government ever passing laws 
that would make it hard for us as Christians, and yet Jesus says that if that would happen, don't look at it as, I'm having a horrible day, God must not love me. Look at it as, I am, I am, I'm blessed. And what's the reason Jesus gives for that one? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the same one as the first one. It's like the first and the last ones, they bracket it with the same blessing. And if you go on into that next paragraph, there's more there. Why are you blessed when you're persecuted? Because of what you have in heaven and because this puts you in good company. The prophets were persecuted. The apostles were persecuted. For the last 2,000 years, Christians have had plenty of trouble in this world. And if you join that group and you have difficulty and even persecution in your life, Jesus says you are, you are blessed. Now, that raises a couple other follow-up questions in my mind. One is, is all that really going to happen? Because there are plenty of people who look at the Beatitudes and say, yeah, right, uh, as if that'll work out. Uh, this Thursday, I was at the orthodontist office, not for myself, but because three out of my four boys got braces on the same day. And as I was in the waiting room, there was a plaque up on the wall. It was of a swimmer. So imagine this Olympic swimmer bursting out of the of the pool to take a breath. You've seen that, right? The water dripping down, mouth open. And this was the caption on the picture. It said, the meek may inherit the earth, but they'll never rule the water. What that has to do with orthodontics, I have no idea. Maybe someone likes swimming there. But I was thinking ahead, hey, that's actually quoting the sermon text I've got for this weekend. <laughs> the meek may inherit the earth, but they'll never rule the water, is getting at this idea that actually Jesus got it wrong. And that that meekness will actually backfire on you. And if you really want to be great in a pool, you'd better not be meek. And I think there are people who would extend that to the whole list of Beatitudes. If you want to get ahead in life and have what many people would consider a blessed life, you should do the exact opposite of everything Jesus says here. To look out for yourself, to fulfill the appetites that you have, to not worry too much about moral scruples, to not get in, the, in trouble, and especially not to be meek. And the question for you and me is, is this really going to happen? Are you really blessed in, in, in living this way? I think I would have to say you should probably do the opposite of everything on this list if there is no God. Because if there is no God, what guarantee is there that being meek will actually bring you the inheritance, the earth as your inheritance? What, what promise is there uh, that by living in this way that seems backwards in this world that will pay off for you? If there is no God, then yeah, flip this all backwards and do the opposite of what Jesus says here. And yet, that is not the truth, right? There is a God, and he is the one, again, the word blessing is about our relationship with him. Is he able to fulfill all the promises in the second half of each beatitude? The answer is, yeah. Can he flip things around so that living in a way different than this world lives means living under God's blessing? Yes, yes it does. And you know how that's already happened, that in your salvation, God chose the exact opposite of what people in this world would have picked. Uh, that section in Corinthians we read earlier, it's, it's there too. That when people say, how is God going to save the world? Would coming and being born in a poor stable and then, on top of that, being crucified on a cross, does that seem like a very blessed thing to do by God? Not at all. 
seems weak and foolish and stupid. Why in the world would God do that? And yet, God chose that weak and foolish action and used it to bring the biggest blessings for the whole world. So that of all the Fridays in the whole year, that's the only one we call good. That it'd be a good Friday that Jesus would die on a cross. Is God able to take death and turn it into life? The answer is, yeah. Is God able to take what seems evil and work it out for good? Yes, He is. Is God able to take what this world would say is horrible advice for how to live your life, and is God able to make that into a blessing for you? God's promise is, is yes. That in Him, mourning can be a blessing. Being poor and hungry for God can be a blessing. Even being persecuted, God can turn that into a blessing. So, to close, here are two applications as you head into life this week. One is, be careful how you judge your own life and the lives of others. Watch out for the assumption that if everything is going how I want it to, then I'm blessed. And if it's not going how I want it to, then I'm not blessed. Uh, There are some people who do have just the perfect Facebook feed. Everything seems to be perfect in their life. And not just that they're faking it. Really, everything seems to be great for them. You could have somebody like that who really is not blessed because they do not know know God. On the flip side, you could have somebody who's having a horrible week or horrible month, horrible life, and yet because they know Jesus their Savior, they are, are blessed. And so as you look at yourself, when you're going through a rough patch in life, you don't have to wonder, maybe God doesn't love me, maybe I fell out of his favor. The fact is, Good times or bad, that's not an indicator of whether or not you are, you are blessed. You can actually be blessed either way. Second application is that as you look at your goals in life, what are you striving for? If you live as God's child in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, you'll have a very different goal you're shooting for. Some people, they're all about, how can I make the biggest pile of money I can? Some people are... How can I have the easiest life possible where there's this low stress? Some people are, I want to have the kind of life where I feel good all the time. What's going to be the goal for a Christian's life? It's not necessarily going to be, I want to be happy all the time and have everything go my way. On the flip side, the goal for a Christian is not, I'm going to see how much trouble I can get into and then how much pain I can. That's not what the Beatitudes are about either. It's to say the goal in life is not those things. It's I want to both know God and the salvation I have through him and I want to live out my faith in how I treat and love other people. And God promises that in that I am going to live under his blessing and he's going to take care of following through on the promises that he made for me. And so... If at the end of an email I write to you, blessings on your day or blessings on your week, what I, I, I hope I'm thinking about this as I write it, and I hope that you're hearing this as you read those words. It's more than just, have a great day today. It's not necessarily praying that everything will go the way that you want. On the flip side, I'm not praying that someone will come and persecute you. 
but what am I praying? It's that every day, every moment, every second of your life, you are living it underneath the blessing of God. That you know Him as your Savior. You know the inheritance you have coming. You know that you are God's child through faith in Jesus. And because of those things, you then live out a life that even in mourning, even in meekness and humility, even in persecution, you are blessed. Amen.